Railing or other upright structure, typically of wood or wire, enclosing an area of ground to mark a boundary, control access, or prevent escape. Prevent escape. As in snow. Can a snow fence help you this winter? Let's find out. It's Open Line Friday. Today, on Weather Jazz. Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science, and a whole lot more. Sometimes we combine Open Line Friday with a science topic that's today. And of course, it is Friday. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 575. And yep, it's Friday. First Friday of the month of November 2023. It is, in fact, November 3rd. And fortunately for those of you looking for a quiet weekend in the Ohio Valley, that's exactly what we're going to get Things have really settled down now. That doesn't mean we're going to warm things up. I think long gone are the 70s, the long stretch that we had just before we flipped the calendar over to a brand new month this month and what appears to be a pretty interesting weather pattern. Don't worry. In this case, interesting does not mean another snowy system coming by like it did between October 31st and November the 1st. But what it does mean is a cooler weather pattern and will average on the cool-ish side, occasionally touching normal going into the weekend. And these days, normal high temperature, 58 degrees here in Northeast Ohio. Also, a reminder, this is Time Change Weekend. We go back to standard time and perhaps to address the moaning that is going on because the sun will be setting earlier. For those of you that rise early in the day, it has become increasingly difficult to kind of get going in the morning on daylight saving time. Just imagine if we had daylight saving time through the winter, like some propose, that would mean that here in the western end of the eastern time zone, It would stay pretty dark until about 8.45, almost 9 o'clock in December and January, and even into early February. As I keep reminding you, we tried that once before. I can't remember the exact year, but in the last 36 years since we moved back to Northeast Ohio, we did put on hold the time change for one particular weekend. I can't remember, and I cannot remember what administration did that and the purpose. I think it was at the time to save energy for some reason. Of course, these days, 
with a 24-7, 365 culture in which we live, that really makes very little sense. Perhaps it did in World War One and Two era, but not anymore. And increasingly so, there is a debate on stopping the switchback twice a year because it does apparently increase some medical issues and other issues, including accidents on the road, et cetera, et cetera. That may be true in the springtime when we spring forward because we actually essentially compress the clock by one hour. We lose that hour. Of course, we gain it back in the fall every year. And so the issues are not quite as apparent in the fall because you have that extra hour of sleep. We always manage, though, but there is always a debate about the outdatedness of daylight saving time. I personally would love to see a return to standard time year-round, not daylight time like Marco Rubio uh, tried to do a year or two ago in the Senate. I really hope that doesn't pass. Uh, And I hope we return, if we do return, to stopping the nonsense of going back and forth, that we just go back to standard time year-round. Everyone will get used to it. And everyone will be happy. Now, one of the good things, one of the good elements of the time change is, in fact, the fact that it is a reminder to change batteries in the smoke detectors and the carbon monoxide detectors, those that are, in fact, operated or at least backed up by battery power. It's always a good thing. Uh, Otherwise, you'll end up with that chirp, 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 and you're wondering, what's chirping? And then eventually you find out, well, that's because the backup battery in your smoke detector or carbon monoxide detector is uh, starting to wear a little thin. So it's always good to change it at that particular time of year, but we will find another vehicle, another reminder to change those batteries. Let's get back to standard time year-round. Well, today we'll be talking about snow fences. And snow fences are particularly useful in areas where there aren't a lot of trees, that the winds tend to whip up large drifts and kind of push them into the way of things that perhaps may obstruct entrances and doorways and, yes, even driveways. And that brings me to a question that a listener submitted on September the 29th this year. And Tim says the following, I have a weather question for you. I'm wanting to put up a snow fence this year to help me with the drifting snow in my driveway. And what I'm reading says to install in front of the prevailing winds. But I'm not sure from which direction those would come. My driveway runs east to west, so should I put it on the south side or the north side or perhaps both? What do you think? Thanks in advance, Tim. Well, Tim and I went back and forth a couple of times because I wanted to understand perfectly what his situation was. First of all, he mentioned that there were few, if any, trees in the area. So that essentially he is talking about winds which will whip around 
and not buffered by any particular tree groves that are in the area. The second thing I noticed is that he said his garage faced south. So I thought, well, if the garage faced south, maybe the driveway goes north-south and not east-west. So I asked, okay, is it because you have to take a turn either to the right or left to go east and west on a longer driveway? And that apparently is the case. Tim verified the fact that, yes, he says exactly when I pull out of my garage, I'm heading south, and then I take a right turn and go down the driveway and head west. So the driveway itself is longer, and it goes east to west. So now that I understand the situation, let's dig into the purpose of a snow fence, and let's see if a snow fence would help. And if it does, where should Tim put that snow fence? I think the first question that we need to address is what exactly is a snow fence and how does it work? Well, a snow fence reduces the wind speed, causing most of the blowing snow to actually fall behind the barrier or on the windward side. When the snow is at rest, the particles freeze together and eventually make a smooth snow drift. If the fence is situated north-south and you have a strong west wind, that drift will occur on the east side of that fence because the fence would slow the wind speed down so that the snowflakes would go up and over the fence and then quickly fall on the east side of the fence, and thus the drift would be to the east of the fence. So if you have prevailing winds that are typically out of the west, and that's really what we're talking about most of the time here in northeast Ohio, it's either west or southwest. And so if you situate a fence and your driveway runs north-south, the last place you want to place that fence is immediately to the west of your driveway because what will happen is that fence will slow the wind speed down, the snowflakes will go up and over the fence, and then immediately drop on the driveway, causing the drift. So essentially what you want to do is back that up so that the drift occurs well before the driveway. Sometimes it's a matter of trial and error in terms of distance. Wind speed also comes into play because until and unless the wind speeds go over 20 miles per hour, snow fences really won't do an excellent job of trying to build up the drifts in certain areas away from the driveway or the region that you're trying to prevent the snow drifts from forming. And it's even better when wind speeds are 40 miles per hour or greater. And that's exactly why snow fences work so well in places like the Midwest, where you have these large open prairie areas without any obstructions that will limit the wind. So the winds will howl across the plains and snow fences will work particularly well, especially near storm centers. And of course, with snowfall and colder systems, 
in which the wind will exceed 40 miles per hour. Now, snow fences will work at speeds less than 40 miles per hour, but the efficacy tends to be a little bit lower. And by the time you go under 20 miles per hour, snow fences really will not provide the kind of shelter that you need in order to keep the snow drifts away from driveways. Okay, let's talk about placement. And this is exactly what Tim has been talking about. He doesn't want to place the snow fence in the wrong spot to exacerbate the situation. Correct placement is absolutely essential in installing effective snow fencing. That incorrect placement can actually cause snow to drift in areas that you don't want them to. So what are we talking about here? Well, let's first talk about the snow fence itself. The posts should be spaced no more than eight feet apart for a four-foot snow fence. And end posts should be six feet or less from the adjacent post. The end post placement facilitates bracing. Now, the placement of the fence is key. You see, a drift, a snow drift, can spread as far as 35 times the height of the fence. Therefore, the fence must be at least that far from the roadway, or the driveway in this case, and the distance may be farther because of irregular terrain. Now, it's interesting to note that the fence itself doesn't prevent the drift from forming. Rather, the snow fence is designed to create drifts. Now, remember that snow drifts form wherever the wind slows down. So the basics of drift control are to, number one, keep the blizzard wind moving, or to, number two, slow it down in areas where you want the snow drift to occur. And, of course, you want that snow drift to occur in places that don't include the driveway. So that's where the complexity begins in snow fences. Now, what about the fence itself and the material? That, too, is very important. You see, a fence is not simply a barrier where the wind is stopped completely. There is an element of what is called porosity. In other words, in between the posts that are installed, you want to lay down a material that is slightly porous. It refers to the open areas of the fence. And a porosity of about 40 or 50% is recommended to form the largest drifts. And by the way, there should be a bottom gap too. And there should be about 10 to 15% of the fence height. Although in rough terrain or snow-covered areas, that bottom gap could actually be higher. And the posts themselves that hold the material should be anchored very, very well, especially if there is a very windy scenario because the wind will put a lot of force on those posts via the material that is spread out in between the posts. So make sure that those are firmly entrenched in the soil and in good soil, a six-foot fence post should be buried at least two and a half feet deep. Now, in Tim's situation, because the driveway runs east-west and because the prevailing wind is out of either the west or the southwest, in most cases, it's roughly 250 degrees. That's slightly south of west. A little bit of trial and error will need to be used 
to see just exactly what works. It would have been a whole lot easier to have a north and south running driveway where putting the snow fence perpendicular to the wind would be a whole lot easier. But in this particular case, because there is a roughly 20-degree angling of the wind in most cases here in northeast Ohio in the winter, most cases the wind, lake effect wind in some cases, will be 250. So you're going to have to stagger those fences in various locations in such a way to force the snow to drift on the side of the driveway as opposed to the driveway itself. So instead of one long fence, it may be staggered perhaps on both sides of the driveway. So the bottom line is that in this case, I think what we're looking at is some trial and error. It may take a little while to figure out and to see what works well for Tim's particular situation. If you'd like to see a diagram, I will try to draw something up and put it on weatherjazz.com, episode number 575, so that you can see a starting point in this case. Now, hopefully that will solve some of the issues and there won't be much tweaking that will be necessary. But because it's an east-west driveway and because I'm not actually seeing it and seeing the terrain, Tim will probably have to do some trial and error along the way. And we're going to be very, very curious to see what happens this winter. So, Tim, I know you're listening. And periodically, let us know how things are going. And let us know what design that you came up with and if that is working for you. Snow fences. It's a fascinating topic, which really gets down to quite a bit of science involved, especially in the Midwest. From here points west, where wind is much more of an issue in terms of blowing around that snow. Once again, unless you have winds of at least 20 miles per hour, a snow fence probably won't do much good. And the higher the wind speed, the more effective the snow fence, a correctly placed snow fence, will have. Tim, I hope that answers your question. Good luck, and do keep us posted as we go through the winter. I'm very, very curious now. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's Open Line Friday edition of Weather Jazz, talking about snow fences. And if you know somebody who's Maybe thinking about putting up a snow fence? This is the perfect episode to listen to and to introduce them to Weather Jazz. I would love to grow the audience to the point where we're talking to people all over the world. And in fact, we are. Now, the vast majority of the audience is in the Ohio Valley. However, we do, in fact, have a world audience. Downloads from all over the globe and yes, as of last Christmas Eve, that includes Antarctica. So we are truly global. We have hit every single continent with at least one weather jazz listener. Of course, there was only one in Antarctica, but that counts. There are a whole lot more globally. We certainly appreciate the fact that you're with us. Well, it's Friday. That means I get to brag on those that step alongside me so that I can make Weather Jazz the kind of program that is truly high-end. 
And of course, I'm always looking to increase the number of people that do exactly that, especially if you get something out of Weather Jazz and you don't want to see it disappear, please do join this elite group. It's easy. Just go to the support tab on weatherjazz.com and you'll get all of the instructions. Thank you to Dale Osborne from Ohio, Erica and Larry Shaw from Ohio, Brian and Christine Barnes, and Will and Tonya Krause and family, all from Ohio. In Vermont, Victoria Singer and Kian Galunas. And from the sunny state of Florida, where they don't need any snow fences, and they're happy about that, Bill and Judy Martin. Well, just like Tim, if you have a question that you'd like answered, drop me an email, weatherjazz at yahoo.com, or call me and leave me a voicemail at the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line, the number 234-525-5888. Quiet weekend is coming up with a rise here in the Ohio Valley. That's a good thing. Temperatures approaching normal which these days would be right about 58 degrees. Not bad. We will see what the rest of November and going into December looks like as we go deeper and deeper into this brand new season. Always very interesting. And of course, we will keep tabs of everything for you, weather-wise and otherwise, right here on Weather Jazz. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week. Weather and science across the globe.